0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Boy, that looks like fun. That looks like fun. Hey, uh, we've got two weeks left in this series, Hot Pursuit, today and next week, and then the following weekend is Easter weekend. We're going to have three services. We're going to have a 7.30, a 9 o'clock, and a 10.30, and I want you to start thinking about who you're going to invite to come to church with you. You know somebody that wants to go to church on Easter. I know you do. It's just a matter of figuring out who it is and you getting up the guts to ask them. And if you'll just ask them, they, they want somebody to ask them. They want somebody to go take them and sit with them. Nobody wants to go to church by themselves. That's intimidating. It's hard to do that. It's kind of scary. Um, I've got a good friend that recently did that here and, and I just have great respect for anybody that walks into this place by themselves. Don't make them do that. Um, invite them to church, offer to take them to dinner afterward, you know, just do what you can to get them here. I think it's going to be a really good day, I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I just think that if you invited someone, it will enhance your experience in a way that maybe you've never had before on an Easter. So please be thinking about who you can invite. Again, we're going to do three services. Today, we're we're in week four of our series, Hot Pursuit, the Continual Pursuit of More, and today we talk about the pursuit of approval. Do you like me? Do you approve of me? The battle of trying to please everybody else over pleasing God. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that you might care a little bit too much what other people think about you? And just, you know, as you take stock of your world, is it possible that maybe you care a little too much? Uh, Harriet Baker is an author. Breaker is an author, and she wrote a book called *The Disease to Please*. And in it, she said this: "The disease to please is actually a form of addiction. Like a drug addict seeks drugs, people pleasers seek approval." How do you know if you're actually battling this this need to please disease? Uh, There are three problems that people pleasers face. I want to kind of go over those with you real quick. The first one is you obsess about what other people think about you. Uh, Do you like my outfit? Do you like the music that I have playing? Do you like my Facebook post? Oh, not enough people commented on my Facebook post. You know, they don't like me. I didn't get enough likes. Do you like my hairstyle? Are we okay? You know, I texted you and And I could see where the bubbles were popping up where you were supposedly texting me back, but I never got a message back. Are you mad at me for some reason, right? Like there's all these different ways that that can manifest itself. We obsess over what other people think. Second thing is, a big challenge for us, we're often overly sensitive to criticism. Your supervisor makes a suggestion about how maybe you can do your job a little bit better, and now you think he's after you. You think he's out to, you know, to replace you. You think he doesn't like you at all when really all he's trying to do is help you be a little bit more productive and help you maybe even to do your job easier, I don't know. Uh, for some of us, you know, we can do something and we get feedback on it and one negative comment, um, you know, we get some, some difficult feedback or negative feedback and it just, it, it tanks us. Um, maybe you, if you're a parent, no doubt this has happened for you. The, the point when your kids start to offer you opinions about how good a job you're doing as a parent you ever had that Yeah, of course if you're a parent you've had that um, You know, they kind of want to grade how good you're doing and and sometimes, you know, you can just in a quiet moment think man I have just really Failed my kids if that's what they think about my parenting You can do something and a hundred people would tell you that it was awesome and one person's like, eh, that's Okay and, you're, and you get all messed up. You get all jacked up because the one person wasn't on board with what it was you were trying to do. Even though you had all kinds of people that thought what you did was great, the thing you remember, the thing that stands out to you, is the one piece of, of negative feedback that you got. Because people pleasers obsess over what other people think. And then number three, you have a hard time saying no. You have a hard time saying no. Sometimes we struggle to say no when we really should. Sometimes we say yes when we should say no. You, you, you know, you 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 may be like me. This is an issue for me, and I, I if, if anybody that knows me well knows this. And when I say this, the people that know me are going to like, yep, that is Brett to a T. I hate conflict. I hate conflict. I don't want to argue with people. I don't want to get. I don't want to be in hard discussions. i haggling over a car. How much do you want for it, right? <laughs> I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. And I've had friends that have said, oh, Brett, you're getting ready to buy a car? I'm coming with you because I know you, and you'll pay too much for the car. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to have, it's just conflict is hard for me. And if I'm totally honest with you, um, there have been times that, that I've created more problems for myself. It would have been easier for me to just step up and have the hard conversation and get it over with, but instead I've put it off and it's like, you know, I think I made it worse. So, uh, you know, we, we all struggle with this kind of stuff. Um, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, I don't want to make somebody mad. Somebody comes to your door, and they're selling, you know, a little kid, and they're selling magazine subscriptions, or candy, or wrapping paper, and you don't need any wrapping paper, you don't need any more candy in your house, and you don't need a magazine subscription to I don't know, L magazine or Popular Mechanics or whatever it is. You know, you're like, I don't need that, but you say yes because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. You say yes because you know I don't. I just I couldn't tell them no. Sometimes we find it very very difficult to say no. Some of you, that's exactly where you live. Some of you, you're overcommitted. You, it's, you go 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 all the time. And and in so many ways somebody comes and they they ask you to help them with something and it's going to take some time and you really don't have the time But you don't want to hurt their feelings and you don't want to make them mad So you say yes instead of saying no and then what happens is you begin to resent them Because they're making making you do something That you don't have the time to do and every time you think about it you just get a little bit madder, right? That's one of the things that happens with people who are trying to please everybody else, and we become resentful and upset. Scripture says this, Proverbs 29, verse 25, Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Now that word snare, if you were to look that up in Hebrew, that's a a Hebrew word, It, it sounds like mokesh, mokesh. In Mokesh, the, the, the picture is a, a noose that is used to capture an animal. Another illustration is a ring that is put in the nose of, an, of like an ox or a big animal to be able to direct it easy, easier. So when he uses that term "snare," that's kind of the word picture that he's trying to project. is one of, you know an image kind of like that. Imagine somebody putting a hook in your nose that leads you around to places that you don't want to go. That, that's what he says the, the, the fear of man does to us. Scripture says this is, this is what the fear of man is. It's, it's like a trap, it's a snare. It's not of God. For fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man, fear of what people think, will, will always be a trap to take us away from God. That's what it's used for. It's used to lure us away and take us away from God but it says but whoever trusts in the Lord will be saved now that, that's the, the, the good news is whoever trusts in God in his presence in the assessment of who you are and what God has called you to God that the Scripture says that person will be kept safe you see fearing what people think is is a trap and we have to realize this morning it's not just a relational problem all these things that We've been talking about in this series. We've talked about fame. We've talked about our stuff and 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 money We've talked about perfectionism last week this week. We're talking about approval next week. We're talking about comfort All those things you might say well those are psychological things or those are are you know They're they're relational things No, at their core what they really are They're spiritual things They're spiritual things and there, there's a and the Bible has something to say God has something to say about those spiritual things. Becoming obsessed with they. And when I say they, they is different for every one of you. But when I say you're worried about what they think, there's a group of people or there's a someone probably that comes to your mind and you say, "Yeah, I worry about what they think. And when you become obsessed with what they think, that is the fastest way to get you to forget about trying to figure out What pleases God and that becomes the issue so understand this for every person in the room this morning? God has a specific opinion about each and every one of you So we have to have a a different goal We we have to pursue something different than living for the approval of them whoever they are We've got to build our lives around living for God and be honest with you uh, We got to do this more than just in theory this has to be something that we take, I think, more seriously than most of us are taking this on a regular basis. I think we need to get, and I think certainly in the future, definitely in the future, we're going to need to focus more on this particular idea of living my life according to what I want God to think about me, not so much about what everybody else thinks about me. We have to live for his will. We have to live for his purpose. We have to live for his glory in galatians paul is writing to the church there at galatia and he says this he said obviously which is an interesting word obviously i'm not trying to win the approval of people but of god now and here's what you need to understand the people in galatia knew all these things about paul's life that backed up that word obviously when Paul uses that word, obviously, the people would have thought to themselves, yes, I mean, obviously, you've been in prison. We know that about you. We know that about your life. You've been in prison. Obviously, we know that you've been shipwrecked. We, we know that you've done that because of Christ, because, you know, you, you care about Christ. We, we know that, uh, obviously, you were a part of the religious elite, the Pharisees, and, and are no longer, and now they have shunned you, and not only have they shunned you, but probably some of them would like to kill you. So obviously, yes, we know that. Obviously, we understand, Paul, when you use that word obviously, yes, we get it. You are not living for the approval of people. You're living for the approval of God. Here's my question this morning. Is it obvious for us? Is it obvious for us, to other people, that we're living based on what God thinks about us not living to to satisfy a bunch of other people. See, Paul doesn't bat an eye. Obviously, I'm not living for the approval of other people, but for God. And then he says one of the most humbling and I think sobering things that you'll see in Scripture. He says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. See, to be a servant means that you have placed yourself under someone else. You, you have you're gonna you know either you have you've placed yourself or, or someone has placed you under someone else if if you're under someone else you can't serve god too it's it's going to be an either or thing you can't do both if pleasing god were my goal if pleasing people were my goal i would not be christ's servant paul says the truth is just like having a hook in your nose We are drawn to caring too much about what other people think about us. So today, in the time we have left, I want to talk about two facts. And the first one is this. And, And we don't want to admit this, okay? And I understand it. Pleasing people is a form of idolatry. How's that for a gut punch? Pleasing people is a form of idolatry. Last week, I talked about the 613 Levitical laws that the, the Jewish people tried to live up to and live under and keep, these 613 laws. And then we kind of talked about the Ten Commandments a little bit last week. But really, the Ten Commandments, they start with the very first one. And the first one is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. See, it's easy to hear a message like this and think, Well, Brett, I'm good, brother. I, you know, I don't have figurines in my house that we bow down to. There's not a, a you know, a, a pentagram painted on the wall. I mean, we don't serve some other God. We, there's not a, you know, we, we, don't, we don't do that. I don't, there's not, Brett, there's not a Buddha in our house. We don't, we don't have anything like that. What is idolatry? What is putting other things above God? It's thinking about pursuing, spending time With chasing after anything more than you do God now when you put it like that there's a whole lot of idolatry going on in our life there is a theme as you read scripture there's a theme that comes up it's kind of like a popcorn thing it'll pop up here it'll pop up there it gets said now and then and the more you read scripture the more you see it it's kind of an, an interesting phrase Um, But the phrase is, God is a jealous God. You ever heard that? God is a jealous God. And I've been talking to non-believers before, and and I've kind of used that terminology, that God is a jealous God. And they've responded kind of in a smart aleck way, like, (laughs) you know, God's a jealous God at bread. He sounds like he's 12, and he's not getting enough attention. I'm like, no, you don't understand. He made everything. He made you. He made the universe, he made the sun, moon, and stars. He made 650 different kinds of beetles. He, you know, he, made, he made everything. And, and Because he made everything, there's certain things that he wants from us. It means that he wants to be the sole purpose and the sole source of our identity and our heart and our affections and our thoughts and anything else that we might be inclined to put in front of him. And let's just be honest. There's lots of things we can put in front of God. It's about what gets your attention and what gets my attention. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 12. In three years of public ministry, Jesus would encounter different types of people. He would encounter blind people. And we read in scripture where where, uh, Jesus would take, sometimes he would spit and make a mud and he would put it in someone's eyes to heal them of their blindness. Sometimes he would just speak Sometimes maybe he would touch them and they would be healed. He would come upon lame people, people that hadn't walked their whole life. And he would speak over them and they would get up and they would walk. People who had leprosy, people that had been forced to leave their communities and their villages and go live in the caves. And if you got leprosy, it was the worst thing that could happen to you. You lost your family. You lost all your relationships. You had to go live apart from everybody. No one touched you. And Jesus would encounter these people, and often he would touch them, and he would heal them, and their skin would be restored, and they'd be able to go back to the people that they loved, raising people from the dead. Jesus did this more than once. And it wasn't just his followers that were seeing this. The Pharisees saw this. The Pharisees saw what Jesus was doing, but they refused to to give any real credence to acknowledging Jesus as the Son of God. And so Jesus described their idolatry in John chapter 12 and he said this, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith and the reason why, what's the word? Fear. Fear. For, they, for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. That's idolatry. Anything that you put over God anytime you put something over your creator that that's what you pursue that's what you think about that's where your time is spent That's idolatry, and it doesn't always start with a bunch of big stuff It can start with something small It can start with something little where you make a decision and all you're trying to do is please somebody else And it can grow into this thing where now all of a sudden you've lost complete sight of God Um, Just for fun. I'm gonna give you exhibit a you remember the '80s, don't you? Remember the '80s and the the glorious mullet business in the front, party in the back. Um, mullets are awesome. And then you've got this. I think this is glorious right here. That is, that is mullet taken to the extreme right there. Doesn't he look good? He looks good. Wouldn't you love to see that when his hair's wet and see what how much hair's there? And then and then you got uh, remember Billy Ray Cyrus. Achy Breaky Heart, remember when that song came out and all you ladies just thought Billy Ray Cyrus was the, the cutest thing ever with his little little hair in the back. And, and then I don't quite know what to do with this next one. <laughs> I am sure that somewhere that is high hair couture, but um, some hamlet somewhere, some redneck village, that's the end thing. I fully expect one of you to come in next week with this hairstyle. And ladies, and, I, and again, just before we move on, I tried, I have had some pretty crazy haircuts in my day. I know that's hard for you to believe, looking at me now. Yeah. But I used to have a mullet. I had a sweet mullet, it was sweet. But I had a haircut one time, it was really bad, and I have a picture of it, and I looked high and low this week to bring that so he could laugh at me, and I couldn't find it. So, yeah, yeah, I, con- I conveniently couldn't find it. Um, but ladies... You're not off the hook, okay? You remember remember big hair 80s? Check that out, man. That is amazing. It's amazing. Let's go to the next one. It's amazing how big the hair got. How much hairspray? I mean, goodness gracious. It just, you know, I mean, she gets an extra foot out of her hair right there. And then I love this this last one. Um, I mean, this gal... She's got to be careful. If she walks out into the wind, she could end up in Guam before she knows it, right? Like, I mean, that's just, now, full disclosure, I think this picture's been photoshopped. I don't think that's real. But the scary thing is, that's not really that far from what we saw in the 80s, right? Um, How does it start? It starts with us just doing little things to please somebody else. It starts with us laughing at something we shouldn't, Laugh at And I don't think. I think if those people were not laughing at them, we're laughing with. I think if they had been in the room with us this morning, they would have laughed at that, right? I mean, we all remember. Probably a lot of the ladies in here, you did that. Um, it's just what we did. But but it starts with little things like I tell a lie to save face. I exaggerate my story to make me look better or to make me feel better. You know, and I get away with it, so then I tell another, and then I, the story grows, and every time you tell the story, you get a little better. Um, I had an opportunity to share my faith, and I didn't step up and share my faith, and I thought to myself, you know what, maybe the next time, maybe the next time I'll do that. I just didn't, I wasn't quite ready this time. It's just in the, sometimes it's in the little things where we, we don't step up for God. We don't do it for God. We care too much about what other people think. I've told this story many times, not many times, I've told it a couple of times. I was out of ministry. I'd moved back home to my hometown. Um, I was working at a place called DHL, which is kind of like a UPS, and I was working at the airport in Cincinnati uh, all night long, and then I would get off work about 430 and I would go to this golf course where I'd taken this job working on this golf course on, with the, the, on the, the, one of the greenskeepers. Um, and I was really just a grunt. I was, I was not a greenskeeper, but I had to be there for the meeting at five o'clock in the morning. And the superintendent's there and a couple of the guys that are mowers, and, and I'm gonna go change out like water things and cups and, and repair divots and things like that. And so we're being told, is there a tournament coming in? I'm getting all, the, we're getting all the marching orders. And as we're getting ready to leave the break room, there was a paper on the table, a a newspaper, and the superintendent was reading the article, and it said something about the church and Christians, and it wasn't kind. And he piled on. He clearly wasn't a Christian, and he made a comment, very disparaging, about the church and about Christians. And um, I'd, I'd been in ministry. I knew better. And when he did it, I just stood there. I didn't say anything. I let him get away with it. Why did I do it? I did it because I was afraid what they would think about me. And it has bothered me. It bothers me to this day that I didn't say something. Right? I cared more about what everybody else thought about me than I did think about God and what he might think about me. See, here's what you need to understand. Not only is this idolatry, but it hurts the heart of God. I think it hurts the heart of God because when we care about them more than we care about Him, I think it speaks to Him. Pleasing people is a form of idolatry, but here's the good news. And the second thought really is this, this disease to please thing, this thought about this. This is good news. The approval of God sets us free from the disease to please. You have to understand that when you live from God's approval, you already have it. It's not something you have to work for. It's not something that you're trying to attain. You have God's approval. What He thinks about you, the fact that He approves of you, is the key that liberates you from trying to please all these other people and what do they think about me. Paul said it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He said, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Now think about how freeing this would be for you. Take it from a serial people pleaser. I am a, I, I want, I try hard To please people i probably try way too hard sometimes to please people and one of the things that i've learned is that you just cannot please everybody i'll try to keep this group happy and then this group's not happy and i get this group happy and now this group's not happy and what i've learned is that you just can't you can't live your life like that i heard this quote a long long time ago Um, this comes from raymond hall who is a canadian playwright i heard this probably when i was in bible college. He who trims himself to suit everybody else will soon whittle himself away. Isn't that good? He who trims himself to suit everybody else will soon whittle himself away because what will happen is you'll take a little bit off here for them, you'll take a little bit off here for them, and the next thing you know, there's nothing left of you. You can't please everybody. But you can not please God. You can please God. And here's why. Jesus went to the cross and died for us. And we are forgiven. And we can absolutely be changed. I want to just take a break for a moment. And let's have some fun. I want to show you some pictures. This first picture, this is, uh, this is Patrick Mahomes, quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. And he makes about $45 million a year on his current contract. Okay? Now let's think about Steph Curry who plays basketball for the Golden State Warriors, and I looked it up this week, his contract reads about $45.7 million a year to play basketball. Let's think about baseball. Uh, I think this is the most recent, and there might be another one because they're still signing contracts, but uh, I think this is the biggest right now, $43.3 million to Max Scherzer, uh, who just became a free agent and has signed with with a new team, $43.3 million a year to play baseball. Then there's this guy named Max Verstappen. And Max Verstappen is one of the, great, the best uh, auto racers in the world. He races Formula One for Red Bull. And with all of his incentives, I think he just won the, the F1 championship last year. With all of his incentives, he makes about $40 million. Now, I'm, I'm just guessing, but I imagine that as I showed you those four pictures, one of the thoughts that went through somebody's mind this morning was this thought. Nobody's worth that. Did anybody have that thought? Nobody's worth that, right? Why would we give somebody that much money? It doesn't make any sense. I can hear my dad right now. Ain't nobody on the earth worth that kind of money. I've heard him say it. Nobody should get paid that much to throw a ball through a hoop. I can hear him right now. So let's just consider for a moment some other things. Guys, are you into cars? You'll like this next one. This is, a, this is a 1962 Shelby Cobra CSX-2000, and it went for $13.75 million at auction. Okay? Now, ladies, I know that means nothing to you, but guys see this car, and this is like the holy grail. Okay, This is the car that just, if you know anything about cars, that is a very, very desirable car. Car and so it goes for thirteen point seven five million dollars that might not be your thing ladies. How about some shoes? Let's look at some shoes Jimmy Choo With little sparkly things on them Which I actually think they're very attractive, but I don't think they'd look good on me $850 for those okay Shoes may not be your thing. Maybe you're more into writing instruments How about an eight million dollar pen? This is the the Fulgur Nocturnus by Tibaldi, so this is an Italian fountain pen, and those are black diamonds that are encrusted on this pen. And listen, if if they put $8 million on it, here's what I can tell you, somebody will pay that for one of those. Somebody will pay $8 million for that pen. Now, you may not be into cars, you may not be into shoes, you may not be into fountain pens, but... We all like houses, right? We talk about houses. How about a mansion? You want a mansion? This is in Bel Air. If you were to buy this particular house, your neighbors would be Miley Cyrus and Justin Bieber, which is enough for a lot of you to say, I don't want to live in that house. <laughs> but but um, let's just kind of go through it, okay? Let's go through this house. This is the wreck area. Isn't that cool? That's really neat. It's beautiful. As we see these pictures, you're going to see it's a beautiful place. This is the pool, look at the double terrace indoor pool. Bowling alley, yeah, really nice bowling alley. Ladies, it has a, it has a salon for you, where you can get your hair done. Guys, you're not left out, you get, a, you get a theater. There's the theater, price tag, $126 million. Now, here's what I'm not telling you, or I'm about to tell you, whoever had this built, when they tried to sell it, they tried to sell it for around $500 million, and they couldn't get that and eventually the price they had to settle on was $126 million, which really scares me as to how much money this dude lost <laughs> building this house. But can you imagine paying $126 million for a house? Let me just, let's, just, let's just stop for a minute. Let's think about this. How is worth determined? Worth is determined... By what someone is willing to pay for something. Tomorrow night, how many of you watched the game last night, the games last night? Tomorrow night, they'll play games, championship, or they'll play the game, the championship game, and there are people that want to get into that game that don't have a ticket. And outside, there will be a scalper, and he'll be scalping tickets. And I don't know what the going rate is for a a scalped ticket into the championship game tomorrow night, but I can promise you Darren Ravel, right about game time, will tweet a tweet that tells you what was basically the highest price paid for a scalped ticket, and it will be in the thousands of dollars. Now, why would they do that? They do that because it's worth it to them. That's the value of that ticket to the person making the purchase, Right? You and I look at $43 million for a basketball player and say, that's ridiculous. But the team clearly has the money and clearly has assessed from their books, if we pay this guy this much money, he's gonna make money for us. So they deem that he's worth it, even though we would, you know, my dad, ain't nobody worth that. Do you know what you're worth? This is what you're worth. That's what God is willing to pay for you. I was going to show a a much more graphic picture, but I know that some of my friends in here, they they get physically ill when I do that to them, and so I'm trying to be nice this morning. This is just a drawing, but this is a representation of what price God was willing to pay for you. The sin that we commit, do you know why we do it? We do it because somewhere we bought a lie. We sin because somewhere we bought the lie that if we do this, people will like me more. If I do this, I'll gain approval. If I do this, I'll look cool. If I do this, maybe I'll please myself. I'll feel better about me. We bought the lie that the approval of others was more important than the approval of God. I'm just here to tell you, nobody else is willing to pay this for you. Nobody else. When you come to Ephesians 6, toward the end of Ephesians 6, there's a passage of Scripture there, and it talks about, Paul's talking about the full armor of God. And he uses the illustration of this soldier and all the armor that he has on. He talks about the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the feet that are shod with the gospel of Christ. And, and uh, in his hand, there is a shield of faith. And then all of those are defensive in nature. You really think about all those things. They're all pretty much defense-type things. But in the other hand, he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that is the only offensive weapon that the soldier has in Ephesians 6. I'm just here to tell you, in the world that we live in, you need to be sitting down with the, she, the sword of, of the Spirit, the Word of God, and you need to be letting God speak truth into your life to remind you what He paid for you and what you're worth to Him. You need to do it. You need to just sit down. And read your Bible and let God speak His truth over you. I, I did something this this week. I'm going to do something this morning. I just want to read to you some of the things that God says about you. And um, I'm looking back on the table. I thought I had more of these to give away. I think they may have all been taken in the first service. I was going to have these available to you as a bookmark. Um, you might check at the here they come. Tracy's putting them out right now. <laughs> There's, you can On your way out, you can grab a list of these, okay, and just slide it in your Bible and use this for the next several weeks of your quiet time and just kind of go over a couple of these and just be reminded, this is what God says about me. This is how I'm approved by God. Just listen to these. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am a child of God. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. These are all things that Scripture says. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Nothing can separate me from Christ's love for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? I am an ambassador for Christ. I have eternal life. I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My citizenship is in heaven. God is at work in me to do his good pleasure. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. I've become the righteousness of God in Christ. I am redeemed, sanctified, and made righteous in Christ Jesus. I am a new person creation in christ my old life has passed away all of my sins have been forgiven in christ that's who you are that's who i am stop trying to appeal to the fickle masses to approve of you because today it's this tomorrow it's this it's constantly changing And you are chasing the wind the God of the universe the creator of heaven and earth the Lord Almighty your creator calls you his beloved that's what he thinks about you why are you trying to please anybody else listen when you chase after trying to approve get get everybody else's approval of you you know what you're missing you know what you're ignoring? You're ignoring the fact that God already approves of you. Once you understand that God approves of you, you don't need anybody else's approval. And it frees you up to stop worrying about all that stuff. And you, you live your life for the audience of one. For the person who's in here this morning that's not a Christian, I know you think that coming to Christ is about, you know, you're, 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 you're going to have to live this straight and narrow and and you know it's about all these rules and you don't want anybody to shackle you like that if that's how you view christianity you do not understand christianity and i would love to sit down and talk to you because when you understand that god approves of you already and loves you enough to do this for you and all he wants is to offer you a gift of forgiveness and once you receive that gift of forgiveness now It's just about living life as a forgiven person. And I'm telling you, that's way more fulfilling. And it's way more fun than trying to please everybody else. Don't do it. Don't do it. This is what God says you're worth. This. Let's pray together. Father. we offer ourselves to you this morning in a spirit of apology because we are guilty of chasing after the approval of other people and sometimes it can be so subtle sometimes we can we cannot even realize in the moment that that's what we're doing but lord probably all of us as we've listened this morning have said could probably said you know that's me i'm guilty of that i've done that and god we're here to tell you that we love you we don't we we don't we want to focus on you. We want to live from your approval. We, we don't want to chase after the applause and the approval of everybody else. That's empty, and it's, it's just it's, it's impossible to, to do and to do well. And so, God, as we leave this place this morning, would we be very well aware of what we are worth to you? Father, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.